Hello and welcome back to the Trade Finance Podcast from us at LIBF, London Institute of Banking and Finance. I'm very excited today to be joined by our friends at Trade Finance Global, Natasha Rostin, who is the Head of Learning and Development. We're joined by Mohamed El Nagar from National Bank of Egypt, who was the winner, one of the winners of the ITPP program last year, the International Trade Professionals Program. So welcome to you both. Hi, Alex. Hi, Alex. Hi, Natasha. Yes. I know. So thanks very much. Um, thanks for joining. Um, we, 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 we asked Mohammed to come along because um, we've, just joined, we've just rolled out the new ITPP program. Or I shouldn't say ITPP program because that's like saying program twice, isn't it, Natasha? So, yes. <laughs> it's a tongue twister. Yeah, the new ITPP cohort, I'd say. Thank you. So why don't you tell uh, the listeners a wee bit about what goes on with ITPP? Of course. Um, so the aims of the ITPP are to promote trade education to professionals um, starting industry or sort of doing a career change um, to share insights of their best practice amongst peers um, and truly like build an international community of like minded trade professionals. And it really ties into one of our core missions at TFG in terms of democratizing trade finance, in terms of removing barriers to access and understanding. So we believe that through the ITPP, we can begin to help advocate and promote trade in all corners of the world through this international community. And we, we launched it, as you know, with yourselves at LABF last year for the inaugural programme. And it was a phenomenal success. Um, hence why we want to speak to Mohammed today about his experience. And that's why we're building on for this year to sort of go even bigger and better. Yeah, because it aligns very much with uh, what we're doing at LIBF. You know, we have... Um, people studying our qualifications and now actually 100 we used to say 90 and I did a count the other day and it's 100 which sounds even better so 100 countries and you know in your cohort um, last year and this year lots of different nationalities represented um, which so really goes along with what and one of those uh, nationalities was Egypt where we yes. have Mohammed El Nagar now I in the pre thing for the people who don't know what El Nagar means it means carpenter so I've been educated. You, know, you learn something new every day. So uh, that's right. Well, welcome to you, uh, Mohammed. Because um, we, we had a, obviously before before you do these podcasts, you don't just go straight into it. You have to have a wee chat beforehand, and uh, some fascinating stuff. Because uh, you've become a bit of a celebrity, haven't you? From yes, you for were, sure. When you were your so you were the top five of the cohort last year. Um, you had to you had to write an article, right? Maybe you want to explain sort of how it went, you, what your article was about, and then uh, then you can tell us about being a celebrity. Uh, actually, it's my pleasure to, to join the ITPP program last year. Um, I was passing the, the internet searching for searching for uh, the training program or articles about the new trends in trade finance, and I uh, passed by the Trade Finance Global uh, website, and I uh, noticed that they announced about the new training program. Uh, I read um, the requirement, uh, the condition of uh, to be applied and to be accepted in the program. So um, I was attracted to the benefits from joining the program. Uh, first of all, you will expand your network uh, by get exposed to uh, HR Emerging Leader Program Connections. And uh, the, pro uh, uh, the winners uh, should, uh, after completing their article and published in the trade uh, website, they may win uh, a free uh, training course from LIBF. 
So I was attracted. I was very passionate about applying for this program. Uh, I contacted the trade finance global team um, and they approved my submission. Uh, so I get in touch with Deepesh Patel, who is uh, acting as uh, head of editorial uh, team in Trade Finance Global. He was very supportive. Um, he uh, made a brief about uh, the Trade Finance Global uh, platform, the training uh, program scope. And uh, we have a couple of uh, call and uh, emails uh, to uh, propose a suggested topic and agree on uh, writing a topic about negotiable instrument and the digital transformation of negotiable instrument and the challenges faces, facing uh, the industry itself about that uh, digital transformation. Uh, so uh, I took a lot of time reading uh, many articles about digital transformation, surfing a lot of uh, references and websites to gather the information. Uh, the editorial team uh, was very supportive to uh, help me uh, in articulating my article, how to write in professional style, how to gather my idea in a professional uh, way and manner, how to be uh, direct to the point without uh, writing a lot of uh, words or something like that. So uh, after one month, after reading and uh, working hard in my topic, I sent my first uh, draft to uh, Deepish. Uh, he was uh, amazed about uh, the content of the context of the article. And he um, proposed to me that he can tweak the, uh, the article by adding expert uh, feedback about my article. He introduced me to one of the key uh, experts in trade finance from ETFA and from Rolero and Zabaft. Uh, so I complete my article uh, introducing uh, the meaning of negotiable instrument the need in trade finance for negotiable instrument and it's important and describing the digital transformation uh, initiatives by uh, many international bodies like ICC and the BAFT and ITRA and focusing on the challenges, especially the legal challenges facing the digital transformation for negotiable instruments. Yeah, so that, so when I've got to remember also when this was all happening, it was like a year ago now, this is when everything yes. had just gone into the global pandemic. I yes. remember doing the first call. I'm now in a, a rental apartment where um, I have 40 MBs or whatever speed. When I was doing that call with Trade Finance Global, I had four. So I was very worried that the connection was going to go. And so it was all, everything was new for all of us. And you seem to yes. navigate to that really nicely. I mean, pretty cool with uh, Trade Finance Global introducing it to people from Bolero and BAFT. And that's the you know talk about that network. I like that whole idea, and that's what something we at LIBF. That's where we're aligned in this program is because we try to help people with their net, their network. Um, and then I didn't realize actually sort of you you got help with the draft. There's a lot of work, and people I don't think realize when they see something that is an article in a magazine or on an inter on the internet on a web page, they think oh yeah fair enough, but try and do it yourself. And you'll yes. see, and I've had the same thing with my colleagues at um, LIBF. They asked me to do a book review and uh, I did the review and then the editors worked their magic and, you know, a bit of feedback and it all helps us all develop and grow. So that must have been fascinating. And then, so then you, you'd done your submission. 
And then, of course, it comes back to Trade Finance Global, doesn't it, Natasha, for the, the judging? But I, I don't think you were, you're in your new role. Were you at Trade Finance Global when that happened last year? No, it had already been far long, long and judged. I only, I only started this year with TFG. So I've just heard about the... Um, and I think that the delight from our ends, and I'm very excited, as, as you said, we've just launched the 2021 cohort, um, 40 participants and 24 countries represented. Um, and I'm very intrigued because I've already heard the hype and, and the excitement in terms of their, you know, ideas for topics, et cetera. And I think, I suppose, going back to, to yours, Mohammed, and, I, you know, I, I was sort of the one to sort of say goodbye to the last cohort and welcome in the new. So I was actually reviewing the top, you know, the top 10 winners. And obviously in terms of for your article and, and having a chance to sort of close, you know, draw closure on that before we moved on. And I think what really struck me with yours and exactly really pertinent to what Alex said is in reminding ourselves of the context of when it was written in that in the time of COVID and realizing how digitalization was changing in so many aspects, especially for us in the UK in terms of the government and in terms of our systems and in terms of you know track and trace. And yet however, you know, for ease and expediency in in so many legal aspects of the world and trying to, you know, affect change quicker there still seemed to be so much of a delay and that the judicial system seemed to still be so archaic and frustrating in terms of changing that and I think your article really kind of brought that to life in terms of the the juxtaposition between the technology and the law and, and enabling us to move forward and as, as someone who trade finance wasn't my background prior to this I think you also you really helped connect that um, and, and brought that to life so for me it was also really a fascinating read and something that again, reminds everyone of how trade has impacted and, and impacts every aspect, I suppose, of, of life. That was the thing, it was that, you know, uh, with us at uh, LIBF, we'd, we'd wanted to um, digitize more of what we're doing. We, we used, until April this year, we had our two of our exams um, for CDCS, uh, for doc credits and one for guarantees, CSDG. Um, they were all done paper exams. They're now, as of July the 5th, they're done on demand, fully digital, you go to a center much more accessible around the world. And that was something that was a lot of hard work and maybe was in the sort of too difficult pile. And uh, the COVID, you know, accelerated the need to do that mm. as it has for many things in many organizations, banks, you know, retail, all sorts of aspects, you know, government. So it's really moved things along um, whilst it's been a nightmare for everyone things have have accelerated especially on the, on the digital agenda um yeah so in terms of because the the cohort of the itpp you, you have a lot more people applying not everybody gets in do they natasha no it's a very competitive um program um, in terms of the number of applicants um and in terms of the actual people sort of down the line and especially i suppose whether it's an inaugural year last year in terms of the launch the amount of applicants towards um i can't remember exactly if it was one, one to three but the you, you did very well Mohammed, to first even get on the program let alone in terms of clearly your winning article and and, and you know how you've furthered that since then and i think as you as you reflected and your, your smiles before which I know the, the the listeners can't see when you said about like the difficulties or how long it takes to actually write an article I think you know what I'd like to ask is I suppose what what did you enjoy the most from that sort of maybe grueling experience or intense experience and also what did you find the most surprising um 
this is my first professional article to be published in a magazine, professional magazine. So I have a, I had a lot of thoughts, but I didn't I didn't know how to organize my ideas, how to uh, to make a brief at first to focus on what can attract the audience, especially that the pitch. Um, uh, give me um, a feedback about Trade Finance Global magazine and how important to, uh, uh, to have an article published um, and to be reviewed by experts in the field. So it took me a lot of time to um, uh, read a lot of articles uh, from Trade Finance website as well uh, to make myself digest how writers uh, do to write a professional uh, style. Uh, and accidentally, I noticed that I, I was uh, focusing on trade finance from operation side. Uh, this is my first time get exposed to uh, the uh, IT and technology solutions uh, in regard to trade finance. And uh, from banking perspective, as working in National Bank of Egypt, we have suffering from the new fintech companies that are competing with us, um, um, pulling our customers. Uh, minimizing our market share. So if we are seeking to uh, compete with the new players in the market, the banking industry has to um, adapt uh, mm -hmm. itself to uh, work with uh, technology firms to digitize their process because we have many pain points uh, regarding uh, the paper-based uh, business and trade finance. We have problem regarding authenticity, a fraud, uh, and uh, the cost as well and the time consuming uh, in regard to checking documents and uh, make sure that all parties accept the authenticity of the documents. So it was very uh, interesting for me to be uh, exposed to this um, area of development and to contribute to the industry by um, providing my thoughts. Um, maybe someone can listen and uh, make a change in this field. It's interesting what you're saying there, Mohammed, because um, I have no problem myself, uh, maybe you, you might think talking a long time, but the same way I have no problem really writing a lot. It, it's the, the difficulty is keeping it brief because, you know, it, when it's being read, it has to be, a, you know, not too wordy. And that, I think, is the challenge. When, when I've done any research on things, you, you know, you go, I mean, just I've done some recently, some uh, small webinars on financial crime and you know of which i know quite a bit about but then you look at you, you go onto the internet to find some recent stuff and then you go delving in and suddenly you spend a couple of hours you know because the research takes you somewhere and it it can be fascinating but it's like learning right okay now i have to stop i have enough material and then now having to condense it and um use it effectively i find it's that uh condensing it and being brief, the brevity is the most difficult challenge. Mm. I, I can tell you a secret uh, as well, Alex and Natasha. For my first draft of the topic, I contacted Deepich. He asked me to pick a topic and give a brief, just um, a few lines. Mm. I sent it to Deepich. He uh, responded me quickly and he shocked me by his feedback. He told me that my uh, writing is very awful. You won't have a chance to uh, to be uh, your article to be published in the website. You have to work hard in articulating your article. So I take the challenge. I put myself under pressure. I read a lot of articles. I write many drafts. And after months, I send Deepich my article. 
and he uh, uh, quickly uh, gave me a call on WhatsApp. And he said to me that he was amazed by the progress. And he uh, was surprisingly um, supporting me to introduce me to the expert in trade finance field to give my uh, article more and more uh, importance. Well, that's because um, yeah, well, that's a good warning because I'm presuming that the people who are on the cohort for ITPP at the moment will be listening to this podcast and they should be preparing themselves for Depeche's very direct. tough love. Tough love, that's yes. word. And I, I, I think um, I've been doing a bit more of that myself. But people approach, you know, various things on LinkedIn. <laughs> And you know, I, you know about opportunities or from assistance, and I I say to them, I'll, I'll just go back to them and say, yeah, fine, but here I want you to know certain things that are you know, and say I hope you don't mind me being so um, blunt, but you might find that people are ignoring you because they're not giving you the feedback, and that whether yes. that be um, brevity or dare I say, you know, especially in the world of trade, where you're meant to be, it's very much about being precise and accurate. If you're going to send me a note which has so many errors in it, you know, that really doesn't show that you're somebody for the, the, the need of detail. So that's yes. a good old Depeche for, um, he's always doing that tough love. I can't wait to see him. I can't also, think of him like that at all. It, so that's it says so much more, though, because I, I didn't know that context, Mohammed. So actually, the fact that, that we're speaking today and, and, and knowing how fantastic it was, and uh, I think says so much more also about you and your strength of character that you were so determined to say, I've got this idea, I've got this drive, I, I, I'm so ambitious in my aim, and I'm going to, like, you know, spin that in a positive to really to drive me to complete it. And I think, again, that that's... I really think we could, you know, we can all take something from that. And that's a real a testament to, to you. Yeah. And I think also that, that the challenge for writing my article, I was I, I wrote this article um, in last May. We were in Egypt in Ramadan. This is a very religious um, uh, month. We are fasting from dawn to uh, until 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. So I don't have time because I have to go to work earlier. And after that, I had to uh, practice my prayer and my religious uh, practices. So after that, I took my time at, uh, about four uh, hours each day, reading and writing drafts until reaching the final draft and sending it to the dish. This is my challenge uh, toward time management and the pressure. So well, well done. Um, now, so one of the things about there, there are certain prizes with ITPP um, and uh, you, you got to do one of our qualifications. Did, did you, I can't, I'm, I literally cannot remember. Did you, did you have any of our qualifications before? Um, yes, uh, uh, I had uh, what we can call in IFF uh, Diploma in Trade Finance uh, status because I got uh, two certificates, CDCS and a Certificate in International Trade Finance. That was in 2009. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, CDCS and CITF, so they're, they're one of our biggest subscriber so which which uh you got to you you won a qualification have yes you, have uh you that yet? yes i have finished and passed the exam of supply chain uh finance right. certificate and so how because i want to shift from operation to a uh, corporate team so i took a uh, sort of supply chain finance uh, certificate but i mean joking apart from what you told me before we did this call um you should have you know, the, the world of trade at your feet, because I believe that um, you're having people calling you up, uh, offering you different roles. I mean, you know, you're obviously standing by National Bank of Egypt because they've supported yes. you, but it is nice to be 
is nice to be wanted. I mean, one of my colleagues said the other day she'd been um, uh, headhunter wanted to speak to her. And I said, oh, you should always speak to headhunters. Always understand what's going on, have an awareness. And it's nice to be wanted, even if you end that's, up staying, you know? Yes, that's right. So you, you've had to, quite a few- To feel that you are valuable in the market. This is very important. And, and uh, yeah, after, after, after winning the, the prize, um, we have in Egypt, uh, Central Bank of Egypt has a, a very advanced training program for future leaders uh, in the banking industry. And I was chosen by the Egyptian Banking Institute, the training uh, arm of Central Bank of Egypt to participate in the future leader program. So that's because winning this prize and this article. Oh, so I mean, it's great. Yeah. And um, you're, is it an it for emerging leader as well? Yes, as well. Yeah, yeah I'm getting a bit worried, to be, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so many things. No, it's very cool. And um, it, and it just shows to, to other people, uh, you know, uh, what kind of things can be done by applying yourself um, and having a bit. Of, so, I mean, in terms of your your vision of the future, you know, you said you want to get into the corporate side. Does that mean you've been in the operations side previously? Yes, I, I work uh, about 15 years in the operations side, uh, checking documents, uh, uh, coordinating with the corporate team and credit admin team to serve our clients. But I think the future need uh, some negotiation skills and sales skills. So I want to shift because I have uh, a, back, a good background on trade finance products. I can sell and I can provide my clients with the suitable product for their needs. So I think the corporate is my destination in the upcoming uh, years, inshallah. Because, you know, I, I, I've worked, I think I mentioned at HSBC for many years, 26 and a bit, and then three and a bit at Santander. And, you know, uh, the, the, the people that, who are, do have the trade ops experience and the corporate side, you know, the, the sale, understanding of both, it's having almost two sides of the brain. Yes, that's and, right. And it's interesting that many people who are in operations do not want to go into the sales side. You know, quite a few do, but you know, if you think about the team that is there, there's only, you know, a small percentage want to, they, they enjoy the, the role they're doing in the ops side, but then there's the people that, you know, want to try something different. The thing is, you, you can't, it would be a disaster if everybody in ops wanted to go into sales because it'd be the, a kind of attrition rate and churn. So it, it, you don't want everybody wanting to do the other job, but to have people in front of the customer who have the understanding of ops, because what I used to say was um, in some of my teams of the sales side, you had people who had not worked in ops and they tended to promise things to the customers that could not be done because they didn't have that understanding of operations. So the good thing is that when you're in ops, you'll, your, your, your colleagues in ops will respect what you're, they know you know. That's right. And then the customer will know you know. And, you know, I think you're going to find yourself in a very good position. So um, very exciting. And I have another reason, uh, as we are talking about digital transformation, I'm expecting in the upcoming five years, the operation will be automated. So uh, depending on the human being to checking documents will not be uh, as the same nowadays. So you have to shift to shift your career toward the future, selling and uh, convincing customers and attracting new customers. I think it will be tough uh, while comp competing with other banks and uh, fintechs. Well, I don't know if I mentioned to you, um, I don't know if Natasha knows this, I, I do work uh, for a part-time for a, a tech company that does the doc checking AI a company called TradeSun. And um, 
So at Tradesome, we don't we don't envision that that we envision there will still be people in, involved with the doc checking. You know, the robot can only do a certain amount of things. But I, I do I totally agree that, that it will be a different role. Uh, you know, there won't be so much of the kind of boring, laborious checking because the machine can do that. But yes. what these people will need is they will need the expertise because a robot can only make a, you know, I say a robot, it's not a, you know, it's the mm. machine, the computer. <laughs> I, whenever I say robot, we always think of like, um, you know, uh, Judgment Day and stuff when the machines take over, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Terminator, that kind of stuff. Yes. But um, we, you know, we, we people will still be needed to make the, the decisions, but they'll be able to spend less time doing all that checking, which can be, and also that the aspect, you know, what's so important is um, the, uh, the compliance side, the trade finance compliance side. You know, um, the team that I ran previously at HSBC in the space of those two, three years I was there, there was a lot more emphasis on the compliance side. So those people will need to be m much more expertise and that's already happening on the compliance side. So, um, you know, that's something that maybe could be your next I'm trying to sell you already. That could be your next, uh, <laughs> your next qualification, our certificate of trade finance compliance. But um, nice. I mean, I'm not, I'm not joking because that could actually be something. But we'll talk about that another time. Um, <laughs> no, I was just going to say. Oh, sorry, Alex. No, 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 Natasha, on you go. No, I was just going to say. I literally just finished reading a book called "The The Most Human Human." I don't know. If, I, I can't remember who it's by, but anyway, the, the premise of the book is that. Um, He's, he's got to go to this competition and he's got to prove to a human that he is a human and not a computer. <laughs> and by nature, him trying to, like trying to value himself, but to prove so much that he's a human, he like undergoes how like language and, and, and AI and everything is formed. So when you were just both talking about that, it really resonated in terms of like the robotics, as you said, in terms of what computers can do and the reactive stance of it. But actually there's, there's so much in terms of the nuance of the jargon that if you kind of go off script or off piste um, or use slang or, you know, colloquials where like AI begins to get lost and how, you know, our own language and digitization is also changing, adapting to that. Like the idea that when we're using, you know, computers and like the, you know, automated messages, how actually if everyone has it on, then actually it's also beginning to shape our language, then we also all become more robots. Um, so it's just interesting how digitalization, like everything, has got so many, so many strengths and positives, but also there's something a bit, I don't want to say eerie, um, that makes me sound a bit um, cynical, but there is, there's, there's, you know, there's like a dark side to it as well. You see that with various banks or even just retailers or, you know, even like I use Vodafone, for example, and you go to their chat bot, or you go to their chat room, right? Mm. And then you type up something and you go, oh no, it's a robot. <laughs> They're never going to understand what I want. And some are better than others. Yeah. Yes. And, um, but when you get a person, it's much easier. But um, you know, the, the AI is there, but different mm. companies have different types of AI. And um, you, it kind of gets frustrating when you ask us what you think is a simple question and it hasn't understood. So, you know, I, I think within trade, there's a number of things where people, less people, but when it comes to, you know, you know, explaining to a customer what the problems are, you know, if they have a set of documents, you know, that the system may have said, right, there are these problems. But, you know, you need a person sometimes to explain. And especially in somewhere like when you know, 
an example when I, I used to work in Asia and our customers knew all about how LCs worked. But then you go to say, I worked in Canada and a lot of people were using LCs for the first time. And the same thing in the UK will be happening more. You know, mm -hmm. they've been dealing more with Europe. They're looking for new markets more overseas because of Brexit. And they'll need to understand. So they'll need people, whether that be in the operations side or, you know, the salespeople that, you know, yourself, Mohammed, as you look for, forward. And in terms of that, what are you, what, where, where could you sort of envision your career going forward? Have you got a job in... Um, in the on the corporate side yet or is that um, not yet maybe after the my participation in uh, central bank of egypt social leader program i can join uh, the corporate team as well well you know maybe when people hear this podcast you know, <laughs> they'll be like, you get even more people reaching out to you i was gonna say this is a great resume builder exactly yes because I mean, uh, you know now these um skills are very you know different i mean if you think about it in the past, people would be going to visit their customers, um, and now they're they're dealing with them, you know, on, the, on these kind of situations. So it's a very different world that we're in nowadays. Um, now I just, uh, you know, I was just thinking about um, when we talked about uh, you being from Egypt, Mohammed. Um, you know, I mentioned to you that my encounter from Egypt was when I went there on my honeymoon, uh, many uh, 50, uh, 2004, so many years ago. And, you know, people have a view of what Egypt, and I'm afraid, so an apology to all Egyptians. But, you know, being a Scotsman, people think of bagpipes, and, you know, the mountains. Well, when we think of Egypt, we think of pyramids and camels, right? Yes, so, it is. Know, every country has a sort of thing like that, you know? Yes. Um, but there's so much more to that. People may be not aware of the kind of the business side. And I thought, you know, we've got people listening from around the world. I mean, fascinating to me, at our last conference, uh, the compliance conference, we had 40 people from Egypt of about 200, you know, about a, a quarter of the people who joined were from Egypt. So I have a lot more of awareness of that. Um, but maybe you could just talk about, you know, the market in terms of as a, as a banking environment and a, as a corporate environment so to, to, to educate our listeners. <laughs> we have in Egypt a, a strong banking sector. Um, um, it took about 20 years of reforming the banking sector. Uh, for example, National Bank of Egypt is the oldest uh, commercial bank in Egypt. It was established in 1898. Uh, and he, um, we have a great market share uh, regarding uh, the loans and uh, deposits. It's about 2 trillion Egyptian pound uh, deposit and 1 trillion Egyptian pound uh, loans. We have about um, 1,600 branches. And we are running about 30 electronic branch, digital branch, uh, more than 5,000 uh, ATMs. Uh, we have a good uh, infrastructure in the banking industry as well. Um, and uh, in terms of uh, GDP, uh, Egypt, one of the biggest country in the African continent in towards uh, GDP and uh, growth rates about 4% this year. Uh, beside the, the, the COVID the pandemic situation, Egypt succeeded in turning uh, a good uh, growth rate uh, for tourism and uh, attraction, attractive, uh, attraction site. We have many destinations that you can visit in Red Sea and Mediterranean uh, if you like to, to uh, adventure in desert. So we have a variety of uh, economic uh, aspects. Uh, in industry, in banking, in um, art, 
uh, Cairo and Egypt considered uh, a center for art and literature in the Middle East and Arab League countries. So we, are, we have uh, many variety uh, of um, and rich culture. Uh, if we are talking uh, about uh, how Egypt succeeded after two revolution in January uh, 2011 and, to, and uh, June 2013 to reform its economy, to attract new investment and to um, give uh, credibility about our performance in regard to the economic figures. Uh, so one of the, so I, I studied, some of the listeners might know this because I, I keep on mentioning the fact that in every podcast I studied geography. Because to, to me, Egypt is kind of, the Middle East, but it's actually yeah. Africa, right? I mean, yes. And so I suppose you, you get the best of both of that, right? About being part of Africa, but then also being part of the Middle East. And we have also a, a Sinai desert in Asia. So we have a park in Asia as well. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, but then also you've got the Suez Canal, right? Yes. Which, <laughs> uh, to everybody who listens to everybody around the world, you've got, and that was quite famous recently, causing a bit of a, uh, a roadblock. Um, you, you mentioned to me that because um, I saw the pictures, you know, with the with the, with the ship was um, stuck in the Suez Canal, caused major problems. And if anything, you know, as, as being someone as a bit of a, a trade geek, you know, it, it highlights you know how trade does make the world go round. And then suddenly, when there's a blockage like that, mm. everything is gonna get chaotic. If you if you looked on marine traffic website, you could see this block both yes. sides of the canal of ships waiting to get through because they thought, oh, it will be sorted out quickly. Um, and it wasn't so quickly. But, you know, did you tell me that, you know, you had some uh, colleagues nearby there who went to could see the actual ship? Yes, um, it is, was a catastrophe for the economy as well, because, you know, uh, Suez Canal is very important channel uh, connecting between Asia, Europe, Africa and other globe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's around 12% of global trade passes through the Suez Canal. So, uh, and um, the revenues come generated by Suez Canal represent about uh, $5.6 billion to the Egyptian economy. So after the accident, uh, doubts have been raised about uh, the, how the Egyptian authorities could solve the problem in uh, a time, um, uh, time acceptable for um, other stakeholders because, you know, exporters and insurance companies will suffer and will um, force the Egyptian authorities to pay penalties if they discover that this is our mistakes, not the captain of the ship mistake. So I think that uh, Egypt succeeded in uh, turning the crisis into a success story. In uh, in two weeks, they coordinate with international uh, specialized companies in solving these uh, kind of issues. Uh, using out-of-the-box solutions like small uh, diggers to uh, make a space for the, the, the ship. Uh, one of the surprises for me that the ship is very huge, is about 400 meters length. So it was, it was very tough to um, solve this problem in uh, limited time. Because yeah, the, 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 um, the vessel um, is yeah, 400, 400 meters, right? It's, it's about 400, it's about four times of a football pitch, right? Yes, this is very football is very big in Egypt. So that's, and as a football pitch, most people kind of know what we're talking about. And it's four times that. Um, <laughs> yes. And, and then it's not only that, it's the fact that the, the cargo is so high up 
and then yes. it makes it act like almost like a sail. If so, if it's windy, that vessel is going to be moving aside. And then you know, I've um, just done a review for um, our colleagues at LIBF Financial World about uh, this book by Mark Levinson called Outside the Box, and it, and it sort of, it's about containerization. And what's interesting, so I was reading it and he was talking about these enormous vessels and how things had changed with um, economic downturns and whatever. But it was written just before the Suez incident. So I went onto his, his uh, blog and had a wee look to see what he was saying. And he was talking about it and then he linked it back into his book. So he was trying to make a sale there. But I'm hoping to get him on the future podcast. <laughs> so uh, no, that will be interesting. But no, um. So also at the moment, so, have, so a lot of insight on Egypt, but, um, you know, we don't, we don't only talk about trade and this thing. I'm curious because I have no idea. Um, we've got the Olympics on. How is Egypt yes. getting on in the Olympics? Which are the sports that uh, Egypt excels at? Football. football? Okay. <laughs> we are addicted to football. Uh, our national team uh, succeed to uh, go for the upcoming uh, round. We will play next uh, Saturday with, uh, I think, uh, Brazil. So people are okay. waiting the match. And then because you have a famous Liverpudlian uh, football player, don't you, in your, in your team? Mohamed Salah, one of That's the best. Your namesake. <laughs> yes. so, is he playing in the Olympics? He, no. Uh, uh, I think Liverpool refused to uh, make him participate because Liverpool is preparing himself to uh, the Premier League. Yeah, this is the problem with uh, sometimes the countryside. Yeah. Yes. Um, well, no, but that's exciting. And has, has uh, Egypt won any medals yet? Yes, we have uh, two bronze medals and one, go one I think, uh, not gold, the second, uh, second one. Silver. What, in what, but what, Silver what, one. What, what sports were those in? Um, uh, in, uh, I think, in Taekwondo, we have uh, two bronze. Oh, yeah, no, I saw, yeah, I remember that, yeah, yeah. Yes, this is uh, our uh, uh, champion, Hidayah. This is our uh, players. I remember seeing that because the thing is, yes. Taekwondo is a sport that nobody in the UK knew about until two Olympics ago, and now everybody knows about it because we had Lady Jade Jones and that got medals, and then now it's become very popular. And so a lot of us are watching it, but it's as a sport. and today, today our handball team succeed to win uh, over Sweden in handball. Oh, really? Well, that's yes. an upset. Because <laughs> uh, my mum's Danish, and uh, in Scandinavians, <laughs> they're big into their handball. And yes. so that's a bit of a result. And it, I mean, the thing is with the Olympics, you know, it's it's a fascinating time um, just to see people from different countries excelling at things that they've been training for for years. Um, you know, and it's like it's like seeing you, Mohammed. you know, you're excelling at things you've been training at for years. So uh, and your future is yes. ahead. So, see, look, see what <laughs> yes. I did there. Oh, I, I was going to say I was going to say there's no spotlight or audience, but then obviously there isn't this year either for the Olympics. <laughs> exactly. so it's um, maybe quite apt. I was, yeah. I was on that note. I was actually going to say, like, Mohammed, you know, whether they're already you know on the ITPB cohort for this year or not, or just what you know tips or advice really from your experience. Do you think would you like to give you know other trade professionals? Um. Um, I succeeded in winning the, by submitting my article. And I am not considering myself as a hero or a professional writer. So if I can win this prize, I think many others participants in this year will can achieve better than me. Uh, they, I think the program will open a new door for them to uh, contribute to the industry, to share the knowledge and experience 
they will expand their networks, of course. So for me as a reader, I will benefit from uh, reading articles. For them as writer and participant in the program, they will benefit also from exposure and letting others uh, see their uh, work. So they have to believe in themselves. They have to study and work hard to achieve their goals. And then, and this year we've also got uh, prizes from uh, the FCI, uh, uh, Factors Chain International, and then um, and with LIBF, there's what we're giving one slot on a panel for one of our compliance conferences. So that, that should be interesting, giving another opportunity for somebody. I think the prizes this year is much better than uh, last year. <laughs> Unfortunately for me. <laughs> well, Mohammed, you know, if, as I was saying, you know, if there's a, if there's any way. Um, if it's not yourself or we can get somebody else um, to join the panel from National Bank of Egypt regarding, um, you know, the trade finance compliance, it'd be nice to see if we can arrange that. But if you want to join a panel, I'd be very confident um, based upon, you know, you're in, no problem with, with speaking on these kind of things. So maybe you want to, maybe as what you've done for us today, we can get you on a panel as well. How about that? Just okay, up for the it will panel. be my pleasure. <laughs> cool. Thank you. Uh, thanks very much. I think, you know, um, as we draw to a close, you know, I, I think we just let's say thanks very much, uh, Mohammed El Nagar from National Bank of Egypt for joining us today, and Natasha Rostin from Trade Finance Global. Um, you know, it's, it's an exciting time ahead, and, you know, uh, we look forward to when, so when's the program with the ITPP? When does that all, people are doing, working on their submissions now? When does it all end, Natasha? So, Judgment Day is 1st of <laughs> September. <laughs> You go, it's another Terminator reference. <laughs> I, I, don't know, I don't know how many we meant to slot in. This wasn't intentional, I assure you. Oh, no, it's, like we, it's almost like we planned it. <laughs> no, but um, it's okay. So that's that's great. So anyway, Mohammed, Natasha, thanks very much. And um, thank I'll you very much. To all thank our you. listeners out there, um, see, see you, hear you at the next podcast. Thanks very much. Goodbye.